1470, 100.3 WMBD. That's not the right bumper. Uh, this is Craig Collins' show. Uh, we're trying to fix some of the audio issues that we're still having here. That was as a weird uh, thing. But anyway, um, welcome. Uh, happy to have you with us. So much to talk about today. Uh, lots and lots going on in the world. And yet I have to start with some pretty emotional uh, audio uh, that's out there because, well, uh, this audio is probably the most important thing out there today. Uh, the person's name is uh, Darren Hoover. He is the father of a fallen Marine staff sergeant, uh, Darren Taylor Hoover Jr., uh, who died in Afghanistan uh, in that uh, attack that should not have happened. And actually, the um, father knows exactly uh, why it shouldn't have happened. He knows that uh, snipers should have taken a shot that they didn't take. And then the exit in Afghanistan went from just utter, I'd like to say some bad words, but uh, utter um, uh, horrible, utterly horrible to something that was catastrophically bad uh, because of the loss of, of U.S. and, and uh, you know, military lives. And so it's about a minute 20 and I'm, I'm not going to interrupt it um, because I think it's that important to play today. And I'll probably play it a couple times today. Uh, but this is a father of a man who died um, in, you know, Afghanistan uh, while we were evacuating that that should not have uh, one of many officer money uh, military members that died uh, at that during that suicide bombing. Uh, again, um, emotional, but important. In closing. I'm calling out Secretary Blinken, Secretary Austin, General Milley, General McKenzie, Lieutenant Colonel Whited, who could not give the order to the snipers to take out the bomber before he detonated his vest, and ultimately the president. Do what our son did. Be a grown-ass man. Admit to your mistakes. Learn from them so that this doesn't happen ever, ever again. You all need to resign immediately. Our sons and daughters have more integrity in their little toes than every one of them combined. You owe it to our families here today to the other gold and silver star families that have gone before and most of all to the veterans who have given so much for this country so that we have the freedoms that we enjoy today thank you thank you yeah i got to be honest um when you hear family members of the 13 service members who were killed during the afghanistan withdrawal again that shouldn't have happened didn't need to happen at the kabul airport uh you say to yourself why i imagine among other things and this father of course would say to himself why among other things but it's it's easily the favorite part of what he said to say do what our son did be a grown ass man um that sentiment in the world of politics, in the world of a bunch of things in our society, is, is definitely a missing component uh, to to just everyday life, but even more so powerfully made um, as far as a point by uh, the father of a fallen Marine uh, in a situation, again, that was just just utterly chaotic and, and did not need to be done the way it was done, did not be uh, needed to be rushed. The only reason any of that happened is a belief that uh, the Biden administration would win political points 
by exiting from Afghanistan and exiting quickly, uh, not necessarily exiting well. Uh, that's at least my opinion. You can decide on whatever your opinion is on that. Uh, but it is is powerful. And as I said, I'll probably just play it again uh, a couple times today. All right. I want to transition from uh, someone who's very upset, uh, but I think rightfully so, in the way in which a military operation was run by our country to a whole lot of um, people uh, that are on the U.S. women's soccer team that really seem to hate our country as well, or at least uh, are very mad about specific things, uh, a lot of things. And I don't care if you agree or disagree with the sentiment that Megan Rapino or anyone else has said in the world of U.S. soccer or any other sport, to be honest, or any celebrity person. And they can think whatever they want to think. I'm not going to be a, a shut up and dribble uh, person on the radio myself. I, I will say, though, that the um, after effect that you're seeing right now, the quote unquote political backlash, as it's been described, and I think the Washington Post today makes sense. And, and if you're mad about it, if you're someone that's like, how dare people celebrate the United States women's soccer team or any United States team losing at something? Well, part of the reason people are celebrating those things, uh, part of the reason that people boycott things, too, uh, I think, is to really desire that some things change. And they can be on all sides of the political aisle. I don't just mean right or left. Uh, but right now, the people who think it's hilarious that Rapino played as poorly as she did, uh, that she missed that shot uh, in the I think it was the penalty kicks, whatever whatever the case may be. The reason why is all the things that have been said that have been, uh, quote unquote, anti-American. And actually, the most fascinating thing to me, just quickly, and I'll play a little bit of Rapino audio in a second, too. Uh, but the most fascinating thing to me has been the fact that Brittany Griner, uh, when she was stuck in Russia, uh, was very, um, you know, adamant or vocal or, or whatever you, you would call it uh, when she first came back, excuse me, of how grateful she all of a sudden was to be an American or how she would stand during the national anthem now because, well, uh, the U.S. went and got her traded um, uh, a merchant of death left a Marine inside of a jail in Russia, all to get Brittany Griner back because she was more talked about in the news. And so, yes, those things matter. But more specifically than any of that, when you play for the United States, having a platform as an individual that is somewhat anti the United States, probably not a good look. I don't know what the comparison would be. But to me, it sort of feels like if you're playing for the Yankees and also saying you hate the Yankees in a somewhat daily, weekly, monthly uh, version of interview, or at least hate enough aspects of what's going on internally with the Yankees, that fans start booing you. It sort of makes sense. But here is what Rapino said after uh, losing, after the U.S. women's team did as poorly as they did, uh, once thought of as one of the best teams in the world, uh, now not so much, uh, for whatever reasons that might be. Uh, she, she took a, a approach during this answer to shift to political, you know, esque conversations. Uh, she talks about equal pay and other things. It feels disconnected from the fact that she's an athlete on a team that lost and she doesn't need to be platforming uh, whatever this is right now instead of talking about how, you know, you'd like to see us win more. Is there a memory that stands out to you right now in this moment? Oh, um... I mean, probably equal pay chance um, after the final. Um, and I think, you know, they were saying equal pay, but could have been saying a lot of things. I think this team has always fought for so much more, and uh, that's been the most rewarding part for me, of course, playing in World Cups and winning championships and doing all that. But, um, you know, to know that we've 
used our really special talent to do something, you know, that's really like changed the world forever. I think that means the most to me. And You know what that means to me, by the way, what she's saying? And I don't care if you love or you dislike. I'm not even going to dive into it in the world of um, having one opinion or a different one about equal pay. That's not the point. Uh, what it says to me right there is she's much more focused on things outside of playing her sport. She's much more focused on other stuff. She wants to be uh, someone in certain circles, having certain conversations, and not someone that wants to be kicking balls into nets and trying to win games when that's where your brain is at after uh, losing and disappointing uh, the United States as much as the women's team would in how poorly they played in the World Cup. Not, again, that I, I closely pay attention to much soccer at all, if any soccer at all, and I don't know that I'm alone in not paying to a lot of that. All right, other stuff out there. Uh, one other thing I kind of want to play, and then I'll take a break. I do think this is really interesting. Uh, one of the attorneys for, for Trump, Alina Haba, has been doing a lot of press. And one of the things she said that feels pretty interesting, and this was on uh, Fox and Friends this morning, is that Jack Smith may be trying to paint himself as a victim in order to control some of the things that are said and not said. And so real quickly, before I even play this, I want to put just one sentiment, one idea out there. When you go after whether you think you're right to do it or wrong to do it, and the court of law will actually decide whether or not uh, Trump is guilty of anything. But when you decide to go after someone who is currently running for president and doing as well as uh, Trump is doing to be the leading candidate on the Republican side of the aisle and probably uh, the, the candidate that will uh, you know, face off against Biden and, and right now polls show may be very well elected to be the next president of the United States, I'm sure all that can change, whether you love or hate that news, it is what it is. But when you do that, I feel like you force all of the things that surround that person into the public eye in a way that has to be fair game to talk about because not allowing it to be talked about seems to be at the disadvantage of the person running for that important office. That's probably one of the biggest reasons why we've never seen this before. No one has ever been, um, you know, indicted or, or tried uh, while uh, running a presidential campaign before, probably because it's very hard to decide what's fair and not fair in the world of law and, and typical you know, um, uh, versions of speech and what's fair in the world of the political speech that's as important as it is at that level. Uh, I say that because I do want to play her answer to a question about Jack Smith and how he's trying to paint himself to be uh, a target, uh, himself to be someone who's in danger. And for that reason, you have to silence a politically significant human uh, running for a politically important office. I don't think you can do those things and keep saying, like they've been saying, that none of this has to do with interfering with the election because someone running for president should be allowed to say whatever they want about whatever they want. Alina, what about the protective order? Because I know that if this judge gets, you all have to respond today by 5 p.m. I know you asked for a Thursday deadline. She, this judge said, no way, I need to know on Monday by 5 o'clock. What does this exactly mean? It means you can't share. It means Donald Trump won't be able to share things that the grand jury transcripts or evidence, that kind of thing. Correct. Um, a protective order is something that we frankly have agreed to on certain other cases that we have with the president, and he's never violated them. We have two protective orders that 
we don't object to, which say that there will be protections for the witnesses and protections for the evidence that come out, especially when they're classified. We don't necessarily always object, but this one's different because this is Jack Smith trying to be a bit of a victim here and come out and say, oh, it's more him being afraid if you look at it closely. Uh, the protective order is in terms of witness testimony mm -hmm. exhibits. Those aren't necessarily things we've ever disagreed to, and President Trump's never violated that if you look historically. So I just want to be clear that that doesn't seem to be an issue for my client. What seems to be an issue is that Jack Smith isn't liking the discomfort of the attention from what he brought. Yes, I think the discomfort from the attention what you brought is a great way to say when you go after someone running for the office that he's running for that it's pretty significant and pretty important uh, that he's capable of talking about whatever those things are that might be relevant to the voter uh, to give the, him their side or his side of the story so they can decide whether or not they want to vote for him. It's just it's just crazy. Uh, the world we're in right now and the way in which people will say, well, yeah, we have to do it the way we're doing it because this is too important or that is too important or these things need to occur. So are we tampering or interfering with the election? Probably. But it's not our fault. It's somebody else's. That's essentially the sentiment I get because there's no other way to say it. All right. Quick break. A lot more. 1470, 100.3 WMBD. It's the Craig Collins Show. 1470, 100.3, WMBD. It's the Craig Collins Show. Thrilled to have you with us. Lots of stuff, as I always say, to talk about. Uh, my car got robbed over the weekend. This just really quickly. Uh, my car, not my wife's nicer car. Um, I've been leaving it here at the station, and there is a unique reason that it was easier than it should be uh, to break into my vehicle. And I don't want to tell you that on the radio because I don't want to have more of it happen. Uh, but it, here's the thing, though, that I wanted to, to say about it. They didn't take... My stuff, like all my stuff, they took a couple things. Uh, my car is bad. If you haven't heard before, I have a 96 Jeep Cherokee that I love that I probably can't drive anymore. It's been diagnosed as something that should go off to the big, uh, you know, car pile in the sky uh, or the, you know, uh, dumpster. Um, but anyway, uh, I've thus been leaving it here and I intend to get it checked one more time to make sure that the first opinion was right. Um, but they went into my car and they took out a speaker that I use to listen to music because uh, I have an electric electrical issue. And so I, I pull out some things, which means my radio doesn't work. This is not going well. I, I'm not describing good stuff about my car. But so I had like a little Bluetooth speaker and that's how I listen to music. That got taken. Uh, some plugs and stuff got taken. But a majority of what was in the car was was left. And so just quickly, as odd as this sounds, part of me was offended that like my stuff wasn't good enough to steal. Like a lot of it wasn't good enough. I even had some like fancier cameras from when I used to live stream uh, this radio show, which I don't know how many listeners know about, but I did on YouTube and Facebook. And I'm probably bringing that back at some point. It was with my own cameras. They left those. They left a lot of other stuff. Uh, they messied up my car uh, more than it already was. But then, like I said, from what I can tell, they didn't they didn't steal a lot of stuff. And sometimes I think when that sort of thing happens, it might just be someone looking for change and that's all they want. And then they move on. I don't know. And in the downtown area, I'm not sure who it would be that would be doing that. But but for the most part, my my car was left intact, which meant either they felt sorry for me as they were taking things out of the old Jeep with all of its issues and the giant holes in the floor or or they just didn't want it. Um, but but part of me, even though I was thrilled, I'm thrilled I have a lot of my stuff. A part of me was kind of sad in a weird way that I need to get over. Like, I thought this was – honestly, as I was going through the car, I was like, this was stealable. They could have taken this. 
And then I was reminded, or at least I reminded myself that I'm glad they didn't. Um, all right. Uh, that did happen, though. So uh, not a thing I think I'm going to do again by leaving the car here. I got to get it home and then I got to figure out how to get it looked at uh, before I decide to to send it off to uh, that you know mechanic in the sky. Anyway, some other things out there. I feel like it's going to be a serious uh, Monday. I have a lot of serious topics to discuss. So this is as palate cleansery as you can get in the world of feel good uh, piece of audio. Uh, this is two kids. Uh, one is three and a half years old or, or three and a little bit. She'll tell you. Uh, the other one is four. Uh, they appear to be best friends and their friendship went viral on social media a while ago, uh, but still going viral. And this is the first time I saw it. So figured I'd play it. Uh, their conversation, they say, is one that all friends should practice everywhere because of how nice, how sweet it is and how awesome it is to be a kid. And so here is a, a beautiful friendship as sort of a palate cleanser before we get to more serious stuff and before Will does some news in a little bit. Can I hold my hand? Yeah. Do you take naps anymore? Yeah. <laughs> you know you're older than my little cousin? He's only three. How old are you? Three and a half. <laughs> oh, so yeah, you're older than him. He's only three. Mm. And I'm four. Wow. I like your glasses. Thanks. <laughs> Me too. Uh, ah, dog poop. Okay, my favorite part is probably add dog poop at the very end of that as they're walking outside. But every part of that is great. You want to hold hands? Yeah, I want to hold hands. How old are you again? Three, uh, three and a half. Uh, all of it amazing. Older than my cousin than Me here. Me too. Uh, ah, dog poop. <laughs> I don't know. I love that. It's so adorable. And the mom put it up. I don't know why she decided to mic the kids. She didn't know what kind of conversations they were having or or knew that they were uh, being as, as adorable as they're being. But just that simple friendship is all so many of us need in this life. Someone to walk with, hold hands with, tell them your glasses look nice and dodge dog poop together with. All right. Will's got the You news. missed the most important question that was asked there. What's Craig? that? Do you still take naps? <laughs> You're right. It was important. And many, many people should answer that question. Yes. Not yes, just three and four year olds. Absolutely should. This is true. Your, gla right. your glasses look nice, Craig. Why, thank you, sir. You're welcome. Am I supposed to compliment you now? No. Okay. Your glasses look nice, too. I don't believe you. Okay. All right. Well, I just tried. I just I threw it out there anyway. <laughs> Do you still take naps, Craig? I should. That's my answer oh, to that question. Oh, dog poop. You. <laughs> All right. That was Will's recreation of the audio. Here is Will with some news. AM, it's 1470. I actually knew there was a microphone in front of me, by the way. Yes, there you go. AM Color is... me skeptical. <laughs> uh, no, what? You think that, that you think that's all a lie? Yeah. Did you, are you on, accusing... Hold on, kids. Let hold me on. put the microphones hold on. on you. Are you accusing this feel-good, sweet thing of being fake? Is that what you're saying? That's not what I'm How saying. How dare I'm not you? saying the kids are being okay. fake. I'm saying the mom knew exactly what was going right. to happen when she put those microphones on those kids. Well, there we go. Uh, Will not only recreated this himself, he then dog pooped all over it. Um, <laughs> well, so did they. <laughs> no, they, they skipped <laughs> oh, it. Oh, no, that was a dog. Never yeah, mind. All right. Uh, Will's got the news. 1470s and AM, 100.3s and FM, all over the Internet, WMBDRadio.com. Will, what do you got? 1470. 100.3 WMBD. It's the Craig Collins Show. Thrilled to be with you. Lots of stuff, as I always say, to talk about. Uh, let's do this. Let's play some more audio in the world of uh, Trump, indictments, uh, all that stuff. I thought this was interesting on uh, ABC's This Week. You have a Democratic politician out of California uh, saying that there's a big difference between what Trump did in the world of the things he said politically and the stuff that Hillary Clinton or even Al Gore have said politically about their own uh, failed elections. Um, I played audio for you last week. 
of Hillary, and she did a whole bunch of interviews in 2019 uh, where she called uh, Trump an illegitimate president and says he knows what he did, uh, essentially the way you would speak to a child. Uh, he knows um, we're finding out some stuff and more stuff is coming out literally word for word. Uh, some of the things that our, our former president has said about the 2020 election, and they're not really comparable. Uh, 2020, due to COVID, had a lot of last-minute rule changes. Uh, Hillary Clinton's accusation was investigated and wound up being a, a big uh, nope, nope, nope <laughs> version of uh, no Russia, Russia, Russia. Uh, but anyway, I want to play this audio because I think it's interesting because uh, it feels similar to me. Uh, to the classified documents separation, or at least that's what uh, Democrats say is the reason for separation between Trump and Biden, between Trump and even Mike Pence, uh, Trump and anyone. It's not that he kept classified documents and they didn't. Everybody committed the same crime. It's not that Hillary Clinton doubted uh, the outcome of an election. Uh, she definitely did that and continued to do that. It's not that Al Gore didn't do it. It's not that this hasn't happened before and that a whole bunch of Democrats didn't also join in and call uh, Trump an illegitimate president. But it's because of what happened on a specific day uh, that makes the crime different even though it's very much the same. If it even is a crime, uh, of course, is another debate. But here we go. On Carl's piece that he seemed to be suggesting that uh, if, uh, under the same rules that Hillary Clinton and Al Gore should have been indicted as well. Your response to that argument? Look, uh, Hillary Clinton and Al Gore uh, didn't encourage their supporters to uh, charge the Capitol and overturn a free and fair election. Uh, neither did President, former President Trump, um, as is going to be a thing that will come up in a courtroom somewhere. He said uh, peacefully uh, protest. Uh, he said patriotically. He did not say, uh, you know, uh, and I, I don't mean to be overly defending a guy. If some people say that that makes me a far right crazy person for saying it that way, it's just it's simply true. It's a fact. It was a thing that was stated. Uh, the Democrats don't care. Uh, I think it's pretty clear that the that the current speaker is uh, is pretty frustrated uh, by this. Uh, but, you know, this is a guy who stood in the uh, in the well of the Capitol building and said that Donald Trump bears responsibility. The only thing that changed is that he needed to count votes to secure uh, that speaker's gavel. No, that is not what changed. In all honesty, if you hold Trump accountable, all I think a lot of uh, conservatives, a lot of Republican politicians are saying is you have to hold other people accountable, too. It is not a either or. Uh, that is the version of what uh, Democrats are saying, which is we're allowed to do this over here and allowed to do this different thing over here. I think most most people listening to this radio show, I think on both sides of the aisle, actually, would accept the rules if they were same the same for both sides. Even if that means your favorite politician is in way more trouble uh, than he was in before, uh, whether that trouble is at the footsteps of or the, the you know feet of our current president or anyone else, just having the same rules is, is the complaint. And it's easy to prove the rules are not the same. That is the biggest issue. That's the biggest frustration. That's the biggest reason. And I'll stop, you know, uh, ranting after this. But that's the biggest reason that Trump uh, may win an election in which he may be proven to have done some things uh, that are not necessarily legal, that are not necessarily on the up and up because he's not alone. And a lot of the voters who would vote for him, even if he gets in some level of trouble, classified documents is still the one I think where he's got the most jeopardy, not uh, the, the court case that 
uh, so many, on, I think, on a side of the aisle believe it is. It, it's not the political speech First Amendment defense uh, case and the January 6th stuff. I, I just don't think that's really going to be as easy um, to win, in a, even in D.C. I think they might struggle, although maybe not, um, but challenging it upward for sure. Uh, but I do think the classified document, but it's, it's something that, again, he did not complete alone. And so the biggest thing to me, the biggest, most interesting thing is that people um, say very, very similar things. And then apparently we decide which things were said that are worse and which things we said are better. And then if they're worse, well, then then that's all that matters. Uh, it doesn't matter if they're all illegal. It sort of be like saying that if you only steal a little bit, the stealing is OK. But if you steal a lot, then the stealing is wrong. And, oh, yeah, they did that places. There are states, there are cities that allowed people to steal a little bit. And they saw a whole lot of a little bit of stealing. I, I want to play something else. I'm going to move on. Uh, this is Mitch McConnell. Uh, he is speaking uh, and he is getting a lot of booze, a lot of you should retire chance, just a lot of reaction uh, to him. And I think even Trump responded to this and said, I agree, he should be out. Um, the thing that's what's most interesting to me about the McConnell reaction is the other day when he froze, it seemed as though he was demonstrating from a health standpoint uh, he shouldn't be in office anymore. And I've, I've had that stance with Fetterman. I've had that stance with, with Feinstein. I, I'll have that stance with anybody. I don't think McConnell is well, and I think that matters, but here we go. Yeah, that's intense. Uh, by the way, I did get a text uh, from a lister that said, uh, go down there and fight like hell, question mark. Come on. Um, I appreciate that text. I understand that Trump said that, too, uh, in his speech on January 6th, uh, where he also said, um, you know, uh, protest peacefully, protest patriotically. Uh, here's the thing, uh, 309 uh, texter who texted the show. Um, this became a point during Trump's second impeachment trial. And there was audio played, and I played it on my show on Friday, of all the different times the Democrats told people to fight, fight like hell, uh, well, in political speech types of, of things. So I'll answer you this way. Would I have said that at that moment? No. Uh, would I think that it's not the right thing to say uh, in that moment? Yes, I would agree with you then, too. But it's fairly common political speech to say fight like hell. Uh, we're going to fight. We're going to do this. And I can play it again if you want to hear the audio uh, that I played on Friday. Uh, but the bigger reason why I think uh, and I'm just going to go back to it now that I got a text about it, uh, that January 6th will wind up being a difficult thing in a courtroom to to hold Trump accountable for is because during the impeachment trial, they already went through the process of trying to defend him and demonstrating all those things that made it common political speech, the way in which he was talking about it, which means that then as a jury or as a, a you know body of our government, the judicial branch, you have to decide is everyone guilty or is no one? Because you can't just keep having one guy be guilty of stuff and no one else. And actually, I said this on January 6th. I remember this vividly. I was doing a, um, a different radio thing uh, that none of the people who, who uh, you know, did the things that they did that day should be let go scot-free. They should get in trouble. Whatever level of crime people committed that day, they should be held accountable for it. But in the world of political speech, what we have right now, it's pretty difficult uh, to say that any one politician incites uh, anything in people and that others don't. Uh, the difference is that you could say that someone, uh, you know, creates a certain attitude, a certain opinion, a certain set of behaviors, but then everyone else has to do that, too. Uh, and if they don't, then what's what's the difference? What is the if everyone says fight, fight like hell, get in their face, 
and you know Democrats have said that, a texter, then, then how is what Trump said that day any different than what anyone ever said at any other time in the last few years? It's, it's not. And that's what people care about. They don't care if someone is guilty or innocent of a crime in this case and call those people bias. Uh, there probably is bias in there. What they care more about is that we see a fair system. And Trump, uh, for better or worse, I'm not a huge Trump fan, no matter what it sounds like at times on the show. I'm not, you know, a Trump or nobody kind of person. Um, but I will say uh, that Trump for the last however many years since 2016 has been running on a platform of the system is broken and unfair and I'm the only one who can fix it. And so talk about a set of circumstances right now that plays into that for a large amount of supporters of the former president and even people uh, who probably consider themselves more supporters of a party or supporters of an idea uh, that the government is broken. Uh, and many, many I've said this on my show, too, and I'll just take a break on this. Many, many people uh, think that our government right now does not do uh, for us what they should do for us. Uh, and what I mean by that is I think eight out of 10 Democrats and nine out of 10 uh, Republicans uh, say that the people in Washington care about themselves, uh, not about anybody else. And so when you run on a platform like that, when you get uniquely uh, targeted, uh, no matter what you may have done that's actually wrong, uh, you wind up benefiting from that targeting because of what you've been saying for all the years you've been saying it. And you have to uh, at least a little bit admit that people have committed very similar crimes and wound up in very little trouble uh, for whatever reason. And that's without also adding on what people did in response to the things that someone said. All right, I got to take a break. A lot more. 1470, 100.3 WMBD. It's the Craig Collins Show. 1470, 100.3 WMBD. It's the Craig Collins Show. Thrilled to have you with us. Lots of stuff uh, to talk about. You can text the show, 309-340-4464, uh, 309-340-4464. You can also call and leave a voicemail uh, if you'd rather have your voice heard on the radio. Uh, just call that number at any time. I can be on the air. I can be talking. Uh, you can fire it off whenever you want. Uh, leave a voicemail. React to anything I say, and I can try to get to some of those. Uh, we're probably going to call those Craig's voicemails uh, whenever we uh, build up enough of those to play those, uh, although people seem to like to text. So that's fine, too. 309-340-4464. And actually, I'm going to start doing a thing on Friday that I've, I've got to work out a little bit better, uh, but I just want it to be the very end of the show. Uh, and it's um, uh, hopefully going to be uh, jokes from kids. Uh, I heard this uh, bit done uh, somewhere else in radio. And uh, if you're not doing radio right, then you're not stealing stuff from other people. And I love this bit and I want to do this bit. Um, and you just tell jokes, whatever your favorite joke is. And it's a nice way to kind of end off uh, the end of the show. It sounds amazing. Um, I, I can't wait. Uh, to try it out. And hopefully we get enough people that play along, uh, your kids, your grandkids, uh, have them call that number 309-340-4464 and just tell me a joke and we'll play jokes from kids if we get enough of those too uh, at some point on the show. All right. I do want to play this. I do think this audio is kind of interesting too, and it's not necessarily uh, political, although I'm sure uh, people will hear politics in it. There's a couple actors uh, talking about the world of Hollywood uh, on a podcast and uh, it doesn't matter. Uh, who they are. They're actually both stand-up comedians, too. Um, the, the reason that it's important to me is uh, what they're saying, and they're both uh, kind of well-known uh, names, maybe not to everybody listening. But again, I'll play the, the sentiment first, and then we'll discuss. Here we go. They, there used to be something like every studio would put out several comedies every, every year, and there was like 45 or 46 comedies in the theaters every year. 
So about every week or every other week or so, there's a new comedy in the theaters. And uh, and then now, last year, there was like six or seven. That's crazy. It's crazy. And people need. And the crazy thing is, is it feels like people need comedy more than ever. Yeah, I feel like they want it. I yeah. feel, yeah. So that's what this movie was. It was like, and it, there's no like hidden message. I feel like nowadays, people like you get to the end of what you think is a comedy, right. and you're like. Is that about global warming? Yeah. Yeah, you're like, is this is there like some deep hidden message that I'm supposed to I'm supposed to recycle more or yeah. like, you know, yeah. there there has to be something else. Right. With oh, it. the moon is trans? Is that what yeah. Is that the <laughs> surprise ending? Yeah, you're like, okay, well, I do I guess we do have to think about that, don't we? So here's the thing, and I, I do love the way that they do that, and that's Theo Vaughn and Adam Devine. If you don't recognize uh, the names or the voices, that's fine. It doesn't matter. Two actors in Hollywood, two guys who've been stand-up comedians. Uh, the reason that I think that that's so interesting or, or so funny uh, beyond the sad truth of the fact that there are way less comedies uh, that Hollywood feels confident about, uh, so they get uh, very uh, small uh, reach kind of places uh, that are winding up releasing some of that stuff. And I think there are places where people are trying uh, harder in the world of comedy, not in Hollywood. Uh, but the thing that I find so interesting is the jokes at the end and how comedians, uh, oftentimes left-leaning comedians, which both of those guys uh, may be accused of being, um, wind up attacking some of the things that also wind up being things talked about a lot on that side of the political aisle and maybe wind up waking up some of the people uh, that are fans of those guys or fans of those people who also then realize, wait a minute, there are jokes here or there is a, a ridiculousness to some of the things that are being talked about. Um, uh, on one side of, of media or on one side of discussion, uh, that doesn't seem to be something that people need to be woke up to. Uh, but I think the comedians are the ones who pushed back on woke culture in general, uh, complaining that they couldn't tell jokes anymore. And that stuff seemed to land with more people, especially depending on who the comedian is, than say – Anything else? So I do think that's interesting. Uh, some other stuff, uh, just moving on to, um, you know, other things that I saw out there just quickly uh, before we throw it to some news. Uh, your sweet tooth kicks in at about 2.30. Uh, according to science, uh, this is the time you most want a snack of some kind, a chocolate chip, uh, peanut butter cookies, uh, double chocolate chips, some of the things that are on the top five uh, list here. One in six Americans eat at least one dessert a day. The most common dessert we reach for is ice cream, cookies, and anything with chocolate. And then finally, the average person estimates that around 200 cookies a year, or roughly four per week, are consumed. My wife does love cookies. Uh, my wife does not snack very much. She's very, very healthy, uh, very, very impressive uh, to me. Uh, but she does love cookies, and people actually love the way that Betty pronounces cookies. So maybe I'll make her do it uh, when she get, or ask her to do it uh, when she jumps on the show in a little bit. Uh, because I remember when she was even working at uh, Whole Foods, which she's talked about on the show, that she used to get bosses to buy the entire team cookies just by asking for them uh, with her accent and then being like, all right, fine, I'll buy cookies, you guys. Uh, but yes, I, I love even still uh, going out somewhere and Betty looking at me and saying we need, we need to grab some cookies before we leave. So well, I'll do that in a little bit, uh, maybe. All right, uh, one other thing, and I thought this was interesting too, uh, thinking you got a good night's sleep is actually more powerful, according to uh, science, at least recent science out of uh, England, uh, than actually getting a good night's sleep. Uh, University of Warwick in England found that your mood and your way of thinking um, impacts your ability to perform. It impacts a lot of things uh, throughout the day, uh, your energy level. Um, I imagine that over time, it probably matters more that you got a good night's sleep. I imagine this works in like a one-off 
or a, a couple uh, sort of situation. Uh, not a every single night you don't get sleep, but you think you got good sleep. I don't think the, the mental power can overcome all of that. But I don't know. At least the study is giving people hope uh, that if sleep is not something you get a lot of, just convincing yourself you did is is totally, totally fine. Um, but that, again, is, is a study that I feel like will be disproven uh, somewhat soon. Uh, there's a lot of studies that they say one thing, then a little bit later, there's a different thing, and it's totally the opposite of the first thing. Uh, thank you, science. All right, we're going to take a break. Uh, after the break, I will get back into some of the news of the day. Uh, I do think that it's worth continuing to repeat uh, a powerful thing that was said today uh, by one of the parents of one of the fallen soldiers uh, that died in Afghanistan uh, due to the, the suicide bomber uh, who should have been prevented. Uh, by the military. That's the stance of Darren Hoover. Uh, so I'll play uh, the powerful way in which he concluded his, his statements today, and we'll get into a lot of other things. Uh, AM, it's 1470, FM 100.3, all over the internet, WMBDradio.com and the WMBD radio app. Will's got your news. Fourteen seventy. 100.3 WMBD. It's the Craig Collins Show. Thrilled to have you with us. Lots of stuff, as I always say, to talk about. Let's do it. Let's keep going uh, in the world of uh, Trump and some of the, the reactions uh, that happened over the weekend. Uh, I feel like I'm eventually going to not talk about this, uh, even as it continues to go on, uh, which is sort of a crazy thing to say. But I feel like uh, at the amount of indictments and all the other things uh, with the former president, uh, that some of it will wind up being white noise, uh, or at least some of it will wind up being easily uh, not at the forefront of many people's mind uh, minds, um, even in the world of what I do. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, but this I thought was interesting. Uh, this is Alan Dershowitz, uh, popped up on Brian Kilmeade's show and said uh, a few different things about, theoretically, uh, who could get in trouble if what Jack Smith is going after Trump for doing uh, in the third of the indictments and the um, you know charges or the second federal case against the former president. Uh, it is going after political speech in and of itself uh, in a pretty significant way. Uh, again, here's part of what uh, Dershowitz said to kill me. Uh, you know, it's interesting that the indictment is based on lies uh, and the indictment itself contains a blatant lie by Jack Smith. Uh, he describes the speech of January 6th, a speech that I think was terrible, never should have been made. But he describes the speech in the indictment <laughs> and deliberately and willfully leaves out the key words of the speech, namely that the president told his people to uh, protest peacefully and patriotically. And here, you know what? I brought this up once before. I'll go ahead and play it uh, for anyone that uh, thinks that it didn't happen, because uh, there actually are a lot of people uh, that don't think that Trump said that on that day. And if you pick out something else, you said, no, no, he said this. He said, go fight. Or he said uh, this statement here. You're doing the same thing uh, that the people that are defending Trump are doing. You're picking out one phrase within the speech and saying that we should judge the speech based on that phrase. So if those rules apply uh, to what he is guilty of, they probably can apply to what he's innocent of, too. But here we go. I know that everyone here will soon be marching over to the Capitol building to peacefully and patriotically make your voices heard. There it is again. So peacefully and patriotically, that's what he said that day. Uh, that would be uh, encouragement. Um, all right, here we go again with more of what Kilmeade and Dershowitz are saying. By leaving out those words, it's a lie by omission. And under the standards set out in the indictment, you know, Jack Smith could be indicted. He could also be indicted theoretically. It's not going to happen, obviously, under the Ku Klux Klan statute. The Ku Klux Klan statute says any people who conspire to deny somebody their constitutional rights uh, is guilty of a crime. Well, what if the Supreme Court ultimately rules 
uh, as distinguished from what Barr said, that everything that Trump didn't say is protected by the First Amendment. That would mean that Jack Smith uh, tried to deny uh, Trump his constitutional rights in this indictment. You know what I think is interesting about that second point, like go after uh, Jack Smith? And there's probably a bunch of people who are mad about all the stuff going on with Trump that would like to see that happen. Uh, but that is also just a thing we're seeing more and more in the last few years in the world of extremes that political sides of the aisle are going to to use your um, plan of attack against you. It's almost like cut and paste from one side to the other side. Uh, we're seeing it right now with the calls to impeach uh, Biden. I'm not saying that there are aren't valuable reasons to consider that stuff or to talk about that stuff, uh, but it sounds very similar uh, to what was going on in the world of, of Trump, especially if some sort of impeachment starts. And I think that um, a couple uh, Republicans are saying this now. Let's collect more facts. Let's get more data, more information. Let's get it in front of the American people. Let's make it a thing that feels undeniable. Uh, if we go down that road, let's not start the process early and then maybe come up with less uh, than we want to come up with and have the other side scream the whole time that this is unfair and, and, and inaccurate because it, it does just motivate people. The Democratic Party has created a lot, a lot of um, momentum on the Republican side by the way in which they've attacked uh, those Republicans. That's my opinion. Here we go. Let's play this, though. Uh, and I want to keep playing this, and this is a big transition from talking about a lot of the political stuff out there, um, although I know this lives in the world of politics, too. It's just so uh, moving, and I don't know um, you know, where to play it again uh, later on in the show, but I will, I will probably play this uh, in the 5 o'clock hour, too, uh, so you can hear it again then. Uh, this is uh, Darren Hoover. He is the father of a fallen Marine staff sergeant, uh, Darren Taylor Hoover, Jr., uh, who died in Afghanistan during the withdrawal when the suicide bomber showed up at, at the Kabul airport and detonated, even though snipers uh, should have been able to take him out before he did that. Uh, those are all things. Uh, the father of his uh, of a, a lost son, um, a hero, uh, says, uh, while also saying that it never should have happened and that anyone that's held res that uh, is responsible for this uh, should really, really, um, you know, make different choices about what they do in their political careers or, or they shouldn't have them anymore moving forward. And the way he says it, the, the one phrase he uses is so important or so significant that I can't help but just not want to interrupt any part of this and play all of it for you. So this, these are the statements of uh, Darren Hoover, the father of Marine Staff Sergeant uh, Darren Taylor Hoover, Jr., uh, who died in Afghanistan during the withdrawal. In closing... I'm calling out Secretary Blinken, Secretary Austin, General Milley, General McKenzie, Lieutenant Colonel Whited, who could not give the order to the snipers to take out the bomber before he detonated his vest, and ultimately the President. Do what our son did. Be a grown-ass man. Admit to your mistakes. Learn from them so that this doesn't happen ever, ever again. You all need to resign immediately. Our sons and daughters have more integrity in their little toes than every one of them combined. You owe it to our families here today to the other gold and silver star families that have gone before.
and most of all to the veterans who have given so much for this country so that we have the freedoms that we enjoy today. Thank you. Thank you. Those are incredible, incredible statements. Um, and honestly, like the thing I keep thinking of, and the reason I'm probably going to keep playing this uh, today, because I know it's a heavier topic and it's a Monday, um, is the way in which, and I don't, I don't know this. I, I'm guessing at all of this, and I don't even um, pretend to assume that I can grasp the totality of the the pain or the struggle uh, for family members who lose their loved ones uh, while their loved ones are, are deployed and fighting and defending our country. Uh, but I just I, I, I guess at um, the way in which telling a family uh, that they lost their son and then the family becoming aware that the military would have had every opportunity to save that life and the people at the very top or even the president of the United States uh, via some of the decision making uh, failed to act in a way that they should have acted uh, for their own best interests, certainly in the world of uh, the president and the the ridiculously fast uh, version of a withdrawal from Afghanistan and how it put American lives uh, in danger um, simply because it was a political win. It was that we have to do it. And there were many, many I'm not even going to really blame the higher ups in the military entirely because there were many, many moments when people uh, deeply uh, within the the, you know, um, uh, decision making branch of our military were saying into cameras that uh, we should reevaluate how this is happening. Uh, but so I, I see it falling on the feet of the commander in chief uh, first and foremost. But at the same time, yes, um, the feet of others uh, who would choose not to, to do something in a certain way or not not do many things in a certain way to not even get us into a point where uh, a force as significant as ours was actually backed up into that airport to begin with, uh, with, you know, uh, pressure actually existing from the outside that that shouldn't have been a thing that happened. Uh, but so, again, without without even pretending that I can understand uh, the pain that someone in his situation is in, the idea that you would be told uh, that your son would still be here if uh, some decisions were made differently uh, by those higher in power uh, makes his call for them to leave. He, he's not calling on, on them to be arrested and, and, you know, other things to happen, but just leave their, their roles uh, so as not to make a terrible decision again. Uh, who could argue with that? Who could say, no, you're wrong, uh, when absolutely it's, it's in, you know, Monday morning quarterback version uh, to say that, that so many of these, and many Americans understand that. Um, many of us are not even remotely close uh, to experts in the world of how uh, military uh, things should be conducted. Of course not. And yet Afghanistan was so uniquely bad, the exit from it, that most Americans know uh, we did it worse than we should have done it. And the administration in charge right now keeps bragging about it, which probably only causes more pain, more anger uh, for those uh, parents who spoke today. All right. Quick break. A lot more. Uh, we'll talk about some uh, other things uh, out there in the world coming up in just a bit. Uh, 1470, 100.3 WMBD. It's the Craig Collins Show. 1470, 100.3 WMBD. Craig Collins Show. Thrilled to have you with us. Here we go. Let's play this audio. Uh, this is uh, interesting. TMZ uh, did this interview, actually. Uh, the former owner of um, Billy Bush uh, says Bud Light is no longer America's favorite beer and that his uh, father and grandfather uh, would be rolling over in their graves uh, based on what happened. Not uh, maybe the way that some are receiving um, the exact criticism. And I want you to listen closely to understand what he's saying and why it's important. Here we go. Um, you must have strong opinions about 
the um, the Dylan Mulvaney campaign. Yeah, Dylan Mulvaney campaign. Uh, I think my family, my ancestors would have rolled over in their grave. They were very patriotic. They loved this country and what it stood for. Um, they believed the transgender um, gays, the, that sort of thing was all a very personal issue. Um, they love this country because it is a free country and people are allowed to do what they want. But it was never meant to be on a beer can and never meant to be pushed in people's faces. So they would have, um, they, they, they would have never marketed their brands that way. As you know, AB was one of the greatest marketers, um, ever in any, in any business. Um, you know, I'll stop it right there. Uh, some of my favorite Super Bowl commercials in the history of Super Bowl commercials, at least in my, my age group are, are Budweiser ones, uh, like Bud Light ones and stuff. The, the stupid frogs or the what's up, I think is also Bud. There's so many dumb ones and none of them had any version of anything that was even remotely significant to any conversation. Uh, that might have been happening in the world at that time. They were just dumb, and the Clydesdales are still cool. Uh, I said that uh, the other day, and I'll I'll stick to it. Um, but uh, yes, exactly the correct point. And it doesn't matter what the issue is. Uh, you can take one issue out and um, put in a different issue. Uh, standing for things that have no connection whatsoever to your brand, I feel like should be annoying to everyone. I don't know why they're not annoying. I'll say that, and then I, I won't rant about this anymore. And I know. Uh, you know, we all have our own things that we care strongly about and things that we don't. Um, but I, I don't know why anyone who who cares deeply about any issue is thrilled when a brand comes out and stands with you on it because that brand is trying to sell you their thing. No matter what their thing is, they're not doing it because they want to be as in the conversation on any issue, uh, whatever it is, um, on, on either side of the political aisle, uh, none of these brands care. And even in those meetings that happened at Bud Light and the, the person who was in charge or the, at Bush, uh, Anheuser-Busch, um, that person was saying that they needed to get younger people to drink beer. And so the goal and, and certainly probably some ideology of the people who made the decisions they made uh, were connected to where they put their decisions or where they put their advertising dollars. And the, the end result was just uh, we want people to drink this more. It's not that we even want to stand for an issue in the first place. So the disingenuousness of how businesses even even stand for things uh, should matter even to the side of the aisle that is aligned with whatever the messaging is of the business, at least in my opinion, because unless what they do is somehow tied to some sort of political uh, thing, it doesn't need to be a part of. And honestly, I think we're seeing that with Team USA, uh, with the, the women's soccer team uh, that did as poorly as they did in the World Cup. And there seems to be a lot of people uh, that are uh, Americans and are happy uh, to see our team go home as quickly as they did, to see Megan Rapinoe uh, play as poorly as she did. And all of the reasons why is because of the, the political rhetoric and speech uh, that permeated all those sports. And maybe, I don't know, I'm just going to guess. I said I was going to stop ranting, and I can't. I wonder if some athletes are so good at their sport, like they're so great at it, the, the upper echelon of people, that improving in your sport is difficult. I'm not saying Rapino is one of those people, by the way. I have no frame of reference in the world of soccer to understand how good or bad she was at, at soccer. Uh, but maybe some of those athletes, the, the Michael Jordans of the world, are now political activists more than they were in the past uh, because of some level of wanting to be important beyond your sport. I, I, I don't know what it is. And then that might trickle down to every other athlete that isn't of the upper echelon of skill set um, that also wants to transcend their sport uh, by talking about something else. 
uh, that, that feels uniquely different from what it was in the past. I think a lot of people wanted to avoid having their name tied to anything other than what they were known for because, well, it benefited them from a business standpoint, from an average, from whatever standpoint. 50% of this country is on the side of the aisle you're not on, uh, about. Uh, I think that there's certainly a, a way that you could debate that it's higher or lower than that, but let's just pretend for the sake of argument that it's almost identical. No matter what you sell, most of you would probably like to sell to everybody, not just to, to half of all the people. And so those those companies, again, to me, just don't make sense. All right, I'm going to do something else. I haven't tried this before. Let's see how this works. I'm going to call this, uh, do you like this? Uh, are you in with this? Yes or no? Uh, this is a pilot uh, going on a rant uh, before a plane takes off. Uh, the rant is interesting. So the simple question, uh, 309-340-4464 is the number you can text to tell me, 309-340-4464. Are you in on this or not? Here we go. Remember, the flight attendants are primarily here for your safety. After that, they're here to make the flight more enjoyable. They're going to take care of you guys, but you will listen to what they have to say because they represent my will in the cockpit or in the cabin, and my will is what matters. Be nice to each other. Be respectful of each other. I shouldn't have to say that. People should treat people the way you want to be treated. But I have to say it every single flight because people don't. And they're selfish and rude. And we won't have it. Okay? Do your stuff. Get it out of everybody else's way. Get your junk where it belongs. Everybody have to take first base. Don't lean on other people. Don't fall asleep on other people. Don't pass out on other people or drool on them. Yes, don't do it. it. And then whether it's just a jacket. All right, a little bit of fatherhood here, the other thing. The social experiment. Okay, hold on. I really like that he said a little bit of fatherhood here, the other thing. The other thing. Social experiment on listening to videos on speaker mode and talking on a cell phone on speaker mode, that is over. Over and done in this country. Nobody wants to hear your video. I know you think it's super What's sweet, it probably on? is, but it's your business, right? So keep it to yourself. Use your AirPods, use your headphones, whatever it is. That's your business, okay? It's just part of being in a respectful society. Middle seaters, I know it stinks to be in the middle. Raise your hand. Raise them up. Anybody in the middle? Like five people. Yeah, right. Just full. All right, nobody's listening. Fine. You own both armrests. That is my gift to you. Nobody Welcome cares. Our by the way, I definitely support anybody in a middle seat who gets given both armrests by a, a pilot. That's that's not up for discussion. But the whole rest of it, do you like it? Do you hate it? Uh, he went on a little bit of a rant there uh, saying how people need to treat each other better. I'm sure a lot of people actually like it. It sounded like the people recording the video hated it and wanted everybody on the Internet to hate it. Uh, but where do you land? 309-340-4464. Let me know. 309-340-4464. I like it or hate it, I guess, is that segment. All right. Uh, we're all over the Internet, WMBDradio.com. You can stream the radio show. You can download the app. Uh, WMBD has a radio app on all the phones. And then also your smart speaker can fire off a bunch of things in the world of our radio if you say play WMBD radio, <laughs> including Will Stevenson doing some news right now. 1470. 100.3 WMBD. It's the Craig Collins Show. It is that time. We do this every single day, or at least most days. My wife Betty comes in studio, and you give us the Spanish word of the day. Yeah. And I usually annoy you with a topic or two before that. Hi. How are you doing today, Betty? Good, Craig. How are you? Good. Happy Monday. Am I, am I running all this technology, the new stuff we have in studio well? You think I'm doing I know. Right? I, think, I okay. think you are doing great, Craig. Thank you. Thank you, yes. Betty. My wife. Yes. I should bring you into the room if anybody says I'm doing stuff wrong, and then yes. they'll all look at me like I'm you, an idiot. You haven't hear like any uh, wrong, wrong buttons. buttons. Thank you. Yes. That's, <laughs> thank you for that. All right. Let me ask you this. Um, well, hold on. Let me do it this way, actually. All right. You make me return our cart at the grocery store. 
all the time to, you know, the, the places where the carts are supposed to go yeah. or even some of the grocery stores we go to. If we go far enough away, like you make me take it all the way in to the grocery, you're like, return the cart. Uh, you're very adamant about it. I yes. can never just like leave it off to the side. Uh, why is that? Why do you care so much about that? Well, I think it's just part of my personality of like being organized and about nice, everything. And nice to other and people. And also nice to Considerate. people. I see at the end of the day. And I used to work in a grocery store. Right. So I know at the end of the day, the kids who... They got to go get them. They got to go. And sometimes they I go used to like random corners yeah. around the parking lot or whatever. I used to cart wrangle at a grocery store. That's what that's called when you go yeah. out and you get them all. Yeah. yeah. I was a cart wrangler. Yeah, see? Great. And sometimes they'd go real far away. Uh, anyway, I'm not saying I wouldn't do it. On my own, but my wife is very passionate about this. A guy went viral on social media, a guy who works at a grocery store, for being very mad at a specific version of a sin here. It's where you leave the cart just near where the other carts are in one of those like uh, one of those little houses things. Yeah. But you don't actually put it in. You just put it right to the outside. Uh, here's what he said about it. People are saying he's complaining too much. Other people are saying not enough. Here we go. Really? Right beside it? You could have just put it in line? How hard is it just to put it in line? No, because now you're being disrespectful and you're taking <laughs> up a parking lot. You just don't care, do you? No, they don't. What's well, my job? I'm working here. Have some respect, man. <laughs> Have some respect. <laughs> well, he gets a little mad at the end there. Uh, I think he's kidding and smiling into the video. Um, yeah. But it's someone pretending to roll it out just close by. Uh, so what do you think? You think that kid's it's right? You know what? Like, now that you're mentioning it, I saw a, a woman on TikTok. Mm-hmm. And uh, if I'm exaggerating, like putting things in order yes. or in the right place, she was like all over Way the top. Way even crazier. She, she even like lift the cart mm-hmm. to cross the, you know, like the metal uh, fence, yeah. like on the rails, because she couldn't feed the car between her car and the rails. So she lift the whole car <laughs> to put in the Ryan lane. Wow. I was like, oh, my God, that's passion. That's awesome. Yes, it is. That's, <laughs> that's like, dedication. That's dedication. That's wonderful. Yeah. Uh, some other stuff that I was talking about, just quickly, that it'd be fun to say to my wife. Uh, people get their sweet tooth at 2.30, according to science. That's when you want your, um, your you most say? snacks. Yep. Uh, just before the 3 o'clock radio show here for me, yep. if I eat too many snacks, I'll be in like a snack coma yes. by the time I get on the radio. Yes. Uh, one of the favorites is cookies, and you really, really love cookies. Oh, my God. I had to level down the the um, intake of cookies. <laughs> Why? Why is that? Because I was eating way too many. And that's funny because you actually go around the office and, and mm-hmm. just like ask me randomly, hey, Betty, do you want to go downstairs to for a snack? For the snack. And mm-hmm. I was like, okay, I got to be super strong and don't grab cookies because that's my... <laughs> That's my, like, uh, um, yeah, I... Yeah, no, I know, I know. My weakest. Right. But by the way, um, I was telling uh, the radio listeners earlier, if they were listening, that um, people love the way you say cookies, and they loved it at Whole Foods, the way you'd pronounce the yes, word cookies. Yes, yes. It's like there's a little bit more emphasis in there. <laughs> I don't know what it, it is. It makes it a little bit cuter, a little bit nicer, and people want to give you cookies when yeah. you ask them for them. Yeah. I realized the first time that I, when I, uh, one of my bosses, I asked him the first time, I was like, hey, Patrick, could you get us cookies? Because he was a random friend. Friday, yes. and we usually work on during uh-huh. the whole weekends. And by Friday, we were like, we need extra sugar to close the store, you know. And he looked at me, was like, what do you say? But I was like, could you uh, be very nice and uh, get us some cookies because we're working pretty hard. Right. And he just looked at me, was like, could you say cookies? I was like, <laughs> what?
what am I saying wrong? No, you're not like, saying no, anything wrong. you're not saying no. anything it's wrong. It's just like there's a little bit more added, yeah. and, and it makes it feel like you, you want them even more, which <laughs> yes. is why I think people get yes. them for you, uh, which is awesome. Yes. Okay. Uh, one last thing. I saw this. I wanted to throw this at you, and you're going to tell me that I definitely have this. Uh, there's something that's called social jet lag now, which is a lot of late night screen time, uh, which is sparking sort of issues with teens, all kinds of mental health issues, uh, but really just people who can't seem to put their phone down in bed when they're trying to go to sleep Uh-oh. at the end of the night, uh, who need to do it because then you have that social jet lag. You have that feeling that lasts until yep, the next day. Yep, you just yep. got to put the phone down, yeah, well, put it away. I can tell uh, like someone in front of me has a lot of experience. <laughs> With lot. social jet lag? Yes, yeah, do I? Yes, yes. It's, there's stuff. There's, you got to see it. It is stuff. And yeah. you're like, okay, what? just like five minutes more. Okay, right. 10 minutes more. And you just like keep going on the phone uh-huh. like... Uh-huh. Yes, uh, it is very difficult though. I I didn't do it before, but I started to be more and more in my yeah. phone, and it kind of gets uh, like Too an much, addiction to right? just being yeah. scrolling and just looking around stuff yeah. that you are not supposed to like keep watching mm-hmm. around ten or and eleven the lights, p.m. They do something to yep, your brain, yep, and then you're up yep, later than you want. Yep. Okay, all right, we gotta stop it. We no gotta, more social we gotta jet stop lag. it. Okay. Otherwise, we're gonna go. Like, I mean, we're not gonna like have po- puffy eyes mm. every single morning. <laughs> yes, that would yes, be very puffy bad. Eyes. Uh, I'm very no, scared no, of no. Puffy, puffy eyes. eyes. No, I'm not. I'm kidding. I'm trying <laughs> yes. to be with you. I don't care how puffy my eyes get, but no, I, I want to get better sleep. All right, what's the word of the day today? You're teaching us Spanish one word at the time. Today's word. I think this one you know about. Uh, I think that this word you already. Okay. No, that's okay. Name. It's not just for me. It's for all the listeners. Okay, and you talk about it like at the, in, in, in the previous session, so mm-hmm. it's very easy. Galletas. Galletas. Those are cookies. Yes. Yes, sir. I know. I know galletas. Galletas. Yes. It is plural and galleta singular. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but nobody has just galleta. Everybody has galletas. A lot of galletas. Yeah, nobody can do just oh, a galleta. Cookies. I love yeah. I love animal yeah. uh, cookies. You do. Or animal, animal crackers. Crackers. It is your favorite cookie. Yes. Uh, that's what you're I saying. Because I dip it in the coffee or like hot chocolate. Yes. Yes. I watch you do that a lot. Yes. You get Especially animal crackers like in the winter. and coffee. Yeah. And you sit there like a kid. Yes. It's the cheapest. You call me your ever. kid all the time. Yeah. That's when you're being the kid in our relationship. <laughs> Probably, yeah. Okay, yeah. good. Okay, you admit it. All yeah. right, cool. All right, thank you, Betty, as always, for jumping on. Galleta, the word of the day. Galleta. Means cookies. Am I doing it right? Am I saying it yes, right? Yes, galleta. Okay. Why, thank Very you. easy. All right, thank you. I'm, I'm an expert now. I'm probably fluent in Spanish. <laughs> you I can, are. Okay, thank you. <laughs> Your eyes rolled so hard during sure. this. Okay, quick break, a lot more. 1470, 100.3, WMBD. It's the Craig Collins Show. Fourteen seventy, one hundred point three WMBD. It's the Craig Collins Show. Uh, lots and lots of stuff to talk about today. Uh, after the news uh, at the five o'clock hour, we do the top five at five. So that's in about fifteen minutes uh, or so. Uh, one of those topics will be the brawl in Montgomery, Alabama. That's on uh, the news a lot. Uh, if you've been listening and wonder why it hasn't come up yet, it will be a part of the top five at five and my reaction to it. So that and more uh, coming up a little bit later on in the show. I, I saw a story that reminded me of something I had talked about last week. Uh, I think it was toward the beginning part of last week, actually. There was a guy who died. He was an adrenaline junkie. He was a social media influencer. He would climb really tall skyscrapers and all kinds of stuff and then shoot these videos or take photos for social media. And he, he fell and he died. And then there was a discussion about how dare people um, wonder whether or not he should have been doing the things he was doing in the first place uh, as part of the, the reaction to the, the death of a, 
a social media influencer slash whatever you call them in the world of of someone who's uh, doing extreme stunts or just extreme things. And so with that as sort of a, a cone or a reference point, uh, I saw this story about a little kid, a 10-year-old. Her name is Mary. She's in the UK, and she's developed a taste for extreme sports uh, that her parents say she had at an early age. The young adrenaline junkie, as it's described, I think, in the New York Post, is determined to try every extreme sport and even has her sight, on become, sight, sight set excuse me, on becoming the first professional wakeboarder for Great Britain. Wakeboard, not that dangerous of a sport, I don't think, comparatively. But it was interesting to me. And even if this kid never does anything where any expert of any kind would think she's in any sort of danger, it just sort of screams something that I was thinking about that other story about how the world of, of the Internet and of social media and of all these influential things, especially for young kids, creates some behavior that's not uh, great. One of the things that I find most interesting, and just quickly, and then we'll move on to, to other things, um, about, say, my, my nieces and nephews, certainly depending on what age they are, uh, is the stuff that they like on YouTube. Because there's certain ages where the things they like make no sense to me at all, not just because they're boring, not just because, like, you see a guy playing a video game and you wonder, when I was younger, I'd just play the video game and not watch somebody else play it. But the stuff where it's just like pranks or just stupid, idiotic videos or even one that I was watching, this was a while ago. It must have been a visit to Mexico that was almost two years ago because the, the niece I'm thinking of is a little bit older now. But she's like nine or ten. She's watching all these, like, makeup tutorials on YouTube. And I'm like, at nine and ten? You need all these? Like, that, that seems, I don't know. It, to me, it seemed like too young to be thinking about how to do all that yourself and do it like an everyday kind of thing and the tricks and, and all that stuff of it. But whatever it might be, there just seems to be all these really bad examples uh, out there, or at least maybe really bad is, is strong in some of those situations, but certainly somewhat bad examples uh, out there of, of stuff uh, that you wind up maybe even being a little unaware that kids are capable of finding on the Internet today. All right, other things out there. A mom asked a couple to swap seats at a Barbie uh, movie so that her kid could sit with her. Uh, someone posted this on Reddit. The person refused, and there was some sort of argument or fight. I've seen this in the world of um, airplanes and airlines. I think there was one of those that went viral, and a woman was praised for not giving up her first-class seat to move to some other seat where she would have still technically, I think, been in first class, uh, but would have allowed a mom and a, and a kid to sit together. This is, I don't know. I guess you have the right to sit wherever you, you bought and if the ticket has assigned seating like that. But if, like, there is an open seat somewhat close by, I would probably move because I would probably allow for an adult to sit with their child if they got in the theater and couldn't find two seats in the same spot. But that's that's me. That's not – but I guess this person went viral because she was unwilling to do it. Some people said yes. Some people said no. Reddit was all over the place on it. Uh, but I, I do think it's interesting that even those – and I guess this sort of ties into what I was saying a second ago about social media and probably the damage it's doing, especially to the younger generations that are growing up on it. Something like that was was a very little interaction between people in the world. If you asked for a seat, somebody refused to move, and you said, well, fine. Like, you, you both probably didn't like each other, but you just walked away from it, and no one was reacting on the Internet and deciding who's right and who's wrong. It's weird how many little fights – can now become these things where people have opinions and there's there's sort of a viral um, sentiment to it online because it's a lot of them are dumb. 
a lot of them, who cares? Either way, I guess, is what I should say to this. Would I move? Yeah. Would I think that someone has to move? No. Uh, does it matter all that much? Probably not. In the grand scheme of things, I don't know if the kid had to go get another ticket for another movie or how they worked it out. I don't see the res- resolution here. But there are a little, like, a lot of tiny little fights that now be beco- now, now, now they become these big, giant, reactable things in line. Uh, and that's interesting, too, the way we magnify stuff uh, because of the the reach of, you know, and actually, all right, fine. I'm going to go philosophical with like two or three minutes before the news. And then we go to the top five at five and I do a bunch of topics with you. I was thinking the other day what it is about the world we live in right now and the expectation by so many that their opinion on something be accepted by everyone around them, that, that anyone around them who doesn't like their opinion on a thing has to be removed from their, their life. And obviously the, the parallel with social media and how people use it or how the Internet sort of tailors stuff uh, to be stuff that you agree with has probably created that. But, but I also wonder if everyone just assumes that their inside thoughts now have to be outside thoughts because of the, the social media world we live, the amount of things people share, the stuff they talk about. Uh, when you have a platform and you you pop it open, especially if you're a younger kid and you look at it, you're like, I got nothing to say today. What do I say? Maybe we're taking more inside thoughts and pushing them outside and then fighting over them, uh, using these little fights and turning them into big fights and having all these different opinions when they used to just be inside thoughts. And none of us really needed to talk about them or share them with everyone. Maybe some people, maybe people you were closer with, but not just like anybody. And there was no expectation that everyone around you also shared their inside thoughts. And if their inside thoughts didn't line up with your inside thoughts, then you can't be around each other anymore. I feel like that's a part of it, too, is the the needing us to have more information out there. Like there was a time, I know this will sound crazy to anyone younger listening, when you had no idea what most of the people around you thought about a lot of stuff. And it was fine. You didn't need to know. You didn't ask them about that stuff. They didn't ask you about it. We all lived our lives. We talked about some things with a lot of people and then a, a, a very smaller amount of things with, say, a very small amount of people. And we were all just happier than we are. And it seems like the need to, to say the stuff. Uh, not that I'm saying you're, you're wrong. I'm absolutely a, a proponent of the First Amendment and our, our right to speech. But I wonder if that's a part of it is that when we all started sharing more of the stuff in there, we realized there's a lot of stuff we didn't agree with other people on. And then for some reason, because of the expectation of the social media version of the world we're in, people were like, oh, I don't have to, I don't have to be around those people. If they don't agree with my stuff, then ugh, get them out, move them away. Uh, let's get as far as humanly possible. from the, I don't know. But that, that, I was thinking about that, too, again, tied to all this stuff uh, in this uh, segment, a little kid being an adrenaline junkie at 10, uh, et cetera, et cetera. All right. We're going to take a break. Will's going to fire off some news. Uh, after the news, we'll do the top five at five. Those are the five biggest news stories, according to me. Uh, they used to not be in order. I'm now trying to put them in order so that we'll go five through one. Uh, sometimes we jump all around, though, of the biggest things that I think are most important, and I will certainly give my opinion of said things. But Will's got you covered. AM, it's 1470, FM 100.3, all over the Internet, WMBDradio.com. 1470, 100.3, WMBD. It's the Craig Collins Show. Time for the Top 5 at 5. It's time for the Top 5 at 5 on the Craig Collins Show. That's right. 
These are the five biggest stories right now in this moment, according to me, and my opinion may change by the time I go home and listen to some of this back on the podcast. No, I'm kidding. These these are the most important right now. And I'm going to do them in order, uh, reverse order, uh, Casey Kasem style. This is five to one. Uh, let's go with number five. Uh, our president is proud to be an idiot. That's the way that I'm going to say this. Our president is proud that a whole lot of people uh, think that he's not uh, where he used to be, if that's even true, because I think he's been mentally where he's at right now for a while. Uh, but here's what he said, uh, comparing himself to the Houston Astros and how they were supposed to be past their prime. And he got a big laugh for this which he actually should not be proud of because they're laughing at you, sir. Dusty, it wasn't easy. People counted you out saying you're past your prime. Hell, I know something about that. <laughs> I know something about that. <laughs> the fact that so many people who are trying to be friendly to, to our current president would laugh that hard to that, like, oh, you do. You know, you can't even get off a stage. He got lost on this stage again, too, uh, by the way, uh, while talking to Dusty Baker. Uh, it's, it's just it's amazing. So that is part of, uh, let's call it five. That's 5A. Five We're going to do a 5B, too. Uh, polling numbers, not good for the current president. Uh, and this matters um, maybe to you, uh, what the outlet is or who's saying this to how much you trust it. Uh, this is MSNBC, far left. And this is New York Times, a reporter there uh, saying how bad the polling numbers are. For the current president, this is definitively different uh, than a few years ago when Biden ran a campaign without anywhere near as many uh, public appearances or any of the things you expected to see uh, during the time of COVID. Sure, um, this is uh, a reason to not vote for Biden, but to actually vote against him for a lot of people, something I don't know if it existed as much last time he ran, but here we go. The one indicator that's not changed is his approval rating and, in fact, his, his competitive, uh, you know, status against Donald Trump if he's a Republican nominee. Our poll that was Siena College last week found that the uh, president's still at that 39 percent approval rating. I think the average on 538 is around 41 percent. That's the lowest of any president at this stage going back through the history of polling, except for Jimmy Carter. That didn't work out well for him. And our no, it did not work out very well for him. Hold poll on. also showed him tied 43 to to 43 percent with Trump. Now, hold on. I want to say one thing just first to anyone that does listen to this show that's not on um, a certain side of the aisle, but on the side that would contemplate voting for uh, President Biden. Um, think about that for a second. Uh, all the different coverage, all the different conversations about Trump, uh, about how much media is is utterly confused uh, that so many people still support the former president, want to vote him into office, indictment after indictment. And he's tied right now, Biden, uh, with Trump, with all that, quote unquote, negative press, uh, although it is positive press to a lot of people who support the former president. But that is saying something, that you're indicted three times, probably a fourth time. There's a bunch of court cases going after you. And still people are like, yeah, Biden's not that good. He's, he's pretty bad at stuff. So let's be honest. I, I mean, they, they have to throw anything else they can, I guess, at, at Trump to make it more of a fair fight because Biden has done incredibly bad by the standard of anyone. That's not a, a far left or far right sentiment uh, or even like, you know, middle. It's just a true sentiment, it seems. All right. And one other thing, this is now uh, number two or four, if we're going uh, backwards in the top five at five. Uh, this I thought was interesting. This was on Fox. Uh, not only does it mention, and I think this is right, uh, that what Devin Archer did in a 
a couple different places uh, behind closed doors uh, with members with with Congress. And then actually um, with Tucker Carlson on Tucker's Twitter show is he he confirmed some of the more significant aspects of what Hunter Biden was selling in the first place uh, when he was making all these business deals while his father was the vice president. Uh, but then it actually it goes somewhere else that if this is accurate, I'll, I'll find this very significant, very interesting. I don't know if we'll hear more of this other name, you know, in the near future, but we very well might. Devin Archer was the adult in the room in terms of how this business should be structured. Uh, and he confirmed everything uh, that everybody assumed the worst of, which is that Joe Biden was the product that this firm was selling. Uh, and he unequivocally said any you know people discussing or claiming that he was not involved with his uh, son's business uh, is, is uh, totally and completely incorrect. I would add the next shoe that may drop is there's another Another individual involved with Hunter Biden named Eric Schwerin. Uh, if Devin Archer was the sort of business guy, the deal guy, and how you structure this, Eric Schwerin was the money guy. He's the guy that moved money around, and based on the Hunter Biden laptop, Schwerin had access not only to Hunter Biden's accounts, but also Joe Biden's accounts. All right, so if that is something that can be proven out more and more significantly, that there's a money guy and the money's getting all pulled around, to me it starts to sound like... Batman, like one of the Batman movies. Uh, the Dark Knight is the one I was thinking of, where all the bad guys have one accountant, uh, that guy that Batman has to go get and pull out of um, a business in China. I love that I'm going this deep into the plot. Great movie. Uh, Heath Ledger, incredible turn as the Joker. But if all the money is pulled in one place, it might start to be a way to prove that people were doing certain things. If that's what takes him down, if our president – and I, I don't know. I haven't seen all the stuff that they're referencing here. Um, but if that's what takes him down, I don't know why I'm going to be even more – um, amused because it's it's literally the plot of part of a great, a gr an excellent, probably one of the best uh, Batman movies ever. Uh, quickly, uh, the other ones. This is the third of the top biggest stories of the day. Uh, this is um, a defense or at least a, a bit of a positioning of some of the things going on for uh, Trump's lawyers uh, with uh, Jack Smith, um, the prosecutor going after him in his federal cases. Uh, Jack Smith is is according to uh, one of Trump's lawyers, trying to turn himself into a victim to muzzle some of the things that Trump says uh, about this case. That is a uniquely tough thing to do when someone is running for the office of president, and these are going to be issues that matter to voters, uh, the federal and other court cases going after him. It, it is, to me, almost impossible to decide what can and can't be talked about in the, in the world of the court of law, uh, when, again, the, the thing you're running for and the way in which you run for it demands that you talk about anything and everything. So there's a reason why when you run for political office, any political office, any potential stuff you have in your in your background, uh, in your, you know, um, any any sort of things that are secrets, very deep places usually get outed. Uh, people say one of the worst things about running for office is is all that dark uh, potential stuff, if there's any of it there for any of these politicians. And there usually is for that to come to the forefront uh, during these these um, races. And that's even on on all kinds of levels. President, it's even more so. How could you even remotely say that Trump can't talk about certain things while running for office, no matter what the things are, when you try to find anything you can in someone's background to use against them? That's how these races are run. Here we go. 
Alina, what about the protective order? Because I know that if this judge gets, y'all have to respond today by 5 p.m. I know you asked for a Thursday deadline. She, this judge said, no way, I need to know on Monday by 5 o'clock. What does this exactly mean? It means you can't share. It means Donald Trump won't be able to share things that the grand jury transcripts or evidence, that kind of thing? Correct. Um, a protective order is something that we frankly have agreed to on certain other cases that we have with the president, and he's never violated them. We have two protective orders that we don't object to, which say that there will be protections for the witnesses and protections for the evidence that come out, especially when they're classified. We don't necessarily always object, but this one's different because this is Jack Smith trying to be a bit of a victim here and come out and say, oh, it's more him being afraid if you look at it closely. It's me. I'm, I'm the issue. And so you got to talk about way less stuff. You just got to be quiet on a whole lot of things. I, again, I don't know how you can actually truly ask someone running for the office he's running for to be quiet about anything. It doesn't even matter if it's Trump, a guy who says a lot of things about a lot of things. It, it could be anyone. Uh, how could you again, and I'll just keep saying this, with a straight face claim that this is not interference in our election if you're muzzling and shaping the things that are said and the things that aren't said? Uh, none of that, even if the person is uh, – and, and I'll, I'll keep saying it that way because I think it matters. And I'm not saying Trump is guilty of stuff. I'm not saying he's innocent of stuff. I'm saying that that part isn't important as to whether or not it is also interfering with the election because it, it is and it will continue to interfere with the election. And that simple fact matters no matter what else you say to your radio right now to me after I said that. Like, yeah, but he's guilty. It, does, it doesn't matter if you think that uh, or if someone else thinks that. It's still interfering with the election, and that's bad. That's a bad thing. All right, last two stories. Second biggest story of the day uh, to me is the brawl in Montgomery, Alabama. I watched the video, and this is my take on the video, and it's being shaped certain ways uh, in media. Um, but the video is a group of, of white guys uh, fighting one uh, black guy uh, a majority of the time. But if you actually read what occurred or watch any of the videos and the way it actually kind of uh, um, unfolded is I guess the guy is a dock worker. That was trying to move the boat that the guys who wind up, you know, fighting with him uh, did not want him to move. Uh, the dock worker said it wasn't allowed to be in the spot that it was in. Obviously, the people that were on the boat seemed to disagree with them. And I think the most important part to this video, uh, the part that I saw that matters the most, is that it's actually one on one for a while. It seems like there's one guy that's very, very upset at the dock worker uh, for what he's choosing to do. And the dock worker may very well be right that you're not allowed to park where he was parking. I don't know. I don't know if alcohol is involved. I have no idea what happened. But they start, like, throwing fists at each other. And it does seem like the, the, the guy whose boat was getting moved is the guy who goes on the attack first. Uh, that guy would be white. The other guy would be black, the one who's defending himself at first. And then other friends run over and start to fight as well. To me, that's not what it's shaped as when you say a bunch of white people jumped a black man, which is the narrative that exists some places. That's not what I'm, I'm seeing in the actual video itself. It seems like there's a fight. I don't know if race mattered at all in that fight. I, I, I have no idea because I think what mattered was the boat and the movement of the boat and the desire not to move it. Move it. And then a whole bunch of people are throwing fists and everybody wound up okay. Uh, the guy who... Uh, took the most punches. The dock worker walked away uh, fine. Well, probably not fine, but he walked away, you know, without the, the serious level of injury you might hear here. But this this story is all over the place and there's racial undertones to it. And who knows? Uh, maybe more information will come out and I'll change my take. Uh, but right now, after watching all of it, uh, my, my quick reaction is it's probably a bunch of 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 drunk 
horrible or not horrible is too strong, like like jerk people, uh, crap people uh, who were beating the crap out of one guy, at least one guy first, and then other friends uh, diving in and, and helping him, and then them all getting pulled apart. Um, and I assume alcohol is going to be involved in that. I don't think it has anything to do, at least right now, without more information with race, because I don't think they would have attacked this person if he wasn't moving their boat, and I don't think he would have moved their boat uh, if he wasn't someone who worked on the dock. But anyway, that's me. That's my take for now. Uh, but it is interesting the way that this story has has uh, unique sort of um, reactions to it and some, some legs that feel like they're in, in places that the video hasn't shown yet that it's actually in. I, I don't know. Um, one last one, and this is the biggest story to me today, and it's something that I want to keep playing in its entirety. Uh, so this is a father of one of the fallen Marines, uh, one of those uh, who died in Afghanistan during the withdrawal of Afghanistan at the airport in Kabul when a um, suicide bomber uh, exploded a device uh, taking uh, several military lives. Uh, the parents of these, these um, you know, heroes spoke today, and one of the more powerful ones, uh, not that the other ones weren't also powerful, uh, was Darren Hoover. He is the father of fallen Marine Staff Sergeant Darren Taylor Hoover, Jr. Uh, he had a unique message for the politicians and the military leaders who screwed up the withdrawal in Afghanistan as much as they did, which cost his son his life, um, according to Darren. And again, this is so powerful, I have no interest in interrupting it at all. I will just play it entirely for you. In closing, I'm calling out Secretary Blinken, Secretary Austin, General Milley, General McKenzie, Lieutenant Colonel Whited, who could not give the order to the snipers to take out the bomber before he detonated his vest, and ultimately the president. Do what our son did. Be a grown-ass man. Admit to your mistakes. Learn from them so that this doesn't happen ever, ever again. You all need to resign immediately. Our sons and daughters have more integrity in their little toes than every one of them combined. You owe it to our families here today to the other gold and silver star families that have gone before. And most of all, to the veterans who have given so much for this country so that we have the freedoms that we enjoy today. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, to me, that's the most important and most powerful thing uh, said today, uh, probably by far. All right, quick break, a lot more. 1470, 100.3, WMBD, it's the Craig Collins Show. 1470, 100.3, WMBD, it's the Craig Collins Show. Um, I think this is, this is something that probably you're going to keep seeing again and again and again uh, for the entirety of the rest of this whole race thing. And if Trump wins the nomination, yes, this is political. I'll, I'll move on from politics in a second. Uh, then eventually, I guess it'll be uh, Biden, who mainstream media accuses of not fighting hard enough. Uh, but there is a lot of media right now that's saying that the other Republican candidates aren't attacking Trump enough. And what I think is interesting about that is a lot of these media outlets are probably of a certain lean, and they would like to see anyone and everyone, and Chris Christie especially, 
uh, throw as much as they can at the former president as possible. Uh, this is a Today Show interview um, with um, uh, Ron DeSantis in which the uh, NBC uh, reporter, uh, uh, Daisha Burns, is saying that uh, she does not understand why this isn't getting as crazy as she thinks it should be getting. And then actually I get something that DeSantis said, uh, one of a lot of things he said that was far and away the most covered part of this conversation, which I think does demonstrate or prove that there's a lot of media that just wants the bashing to occur for the sake of bashing. Look, former President Trump is clearly still dominating the headlines and the polls. This latest indictment has done little to soften his edge or his attacks on his GOP primary rival, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. In How our wide-ranging conversation, I asked the governor why he's not using this moment to take on the GOP frontrunner more directly. If the election is a referendum on Joe Biden's policies and the failures that we've seen, and we are presenting a positive vision for the future, we will win the presidency uh, and we will have a chance to turn the country around. If, on the other hand, uh, the election is not about January 20th, 2025, but January 6th, 2021, or what document was left by the toilet at Mar-a-Lago, <laughs> If it's a referendum on that, we are going to lose. Yeah, I got to be honest, and then I'll go to more, and we'll probably save some of it till after the news, and I'm going to do good story, bad story after the news, too. Uh, but my, my first reaction to what he's saying there, what DeSantis is saying there, is he might not be right about that. A lot of people do care about some of that other stuff, and a lot of people are motivated right now because of some of the things going on. Uh, but it, it makes sense. It's the, it's the logical uh, version of saying something, but it's not the emotional version, I think, that might exist for a lot of people. But anyway, I'll play more of that, including the thing that DeSantis said that a whole lot of people are covering because I think it mattered more to them than anything else. Uh, and I'll tell you why I think that is. And we'll also do good story, bad story coming up in just a bit. Uh, it's AM 1470, FM 100.3. But guess what? The radio is in your house and your smart speaker, too. If you have one and you say, play WMBD radio, uh, you're, you'll hear me talk about all kinds of stuff. You'll hear Will Stevenson doing the news, including this. 1470, 100.3 WMBD, Craig Collins show. Good story, bad story time. What is this? Well, one of the stories I tell you hopefully puts you in a very good mood. Uh, makes you feel like your neighbor can be your best friend, that the world's a great place, that everybody can hug and sing along. To you. I don't know. Probably not that good, but it'll make you feel good about the world we live in. And then the other one kicks you right in that that other place. It makes you feel the exact opposite, although hopefully some of that is just the way that life works. It's a little of both. Uh, but first, before I do that, uh, 1505 East Lake Avenue. Uh, is the address of uh, in Peoria Heights, is the address of the VFW in Peoria Heights. Uh, Betty and I love going there. Uh, we were there uh, last week, had a lot of fun uh, there over the weekend for beer can golf, at least part of it. Uh, I did not show up early enough uh, to partake the entire time. And then I lost in a triple overtime. Uh, the third playoff hole is how I lost. So I thought I pretty good showing for only getting one shot at it. Uh, but beer can golf was a lot of fun. They got trivia tonight. Uh, they have a bunch of drinks on special, including a Craig Collins uh, drink, uh, which is, I, I think, a vodka lemonade with medium shelf vodka for well-shelf uh, pricing. And they donate one of the three bucks that the drink costs to their uh, toy drive, 
which at the end of the year, the VFW gives a bunch of toys uh, for Christmas. So a lot of really cool reasons to swing by uh, 1505 East Lake Avenue, hang out at the VFW, and also learn about uh, the stuff. Because they do a lot of stuff. I don't know. The, the bartenders come up with some things that they do in the philanthropic place and world in which they, they operate so often. Uh, all of the people behind the VFW, like Eric, who's on the show, uh, the quartermaster, uh, since they're people who served and protected our country, uh, they seem to take that same responsibility to um, serve our community. And a lot of ways they do that. So if you go and you hang out, you spend a little bit of money, even on the gaming machines in the back, don't feel bad. Uh, they're going to put a lot of that to great use. All right. Other stuff out there, as I said, good story, bad story time. First, the good story. Uh, and I do really like this one. You might have remembered this, and it's not just because it's a guy in New Jersey uh, that I like it, but a guy in New Jersey started a nonprofit called I Want to Mow Your Lawn. That was started because during the pandemic, there were a whole lot of people that needed a whole lot of help. And this is mostly for uh, elderly people who can't do the yard work themselves. So it's volunteer. It's free. Senior citizens get their lawn taken care of by someone who applies or asks to, to be a part of I Want to Mow Your Lawn. There's a website. It's I Want to Mow Your Lawn dot com. It's great. Again, it's now in 46 states. It's been picked up internationally. That's a lot of places. And then actually a retired Marine in South Korea just started doing it there. And he's doing it specifically for widows of fallen soldiers, which is amazing. So this this idea, this concept that was uh, born in a time when a lot of people were dealing with a lot of different stress uh, is now uh, growing and, and changing. And it's it's awesome. I want to mow your lawn dot com is a place to get involved. I'm glad to see that thing has taken off as much as it as it has. Uh, now that you feel great about the amount of people that want to help other people, uh, let's do something different. A guy in California was caught on a security camera inside a garage stealing a, a pretty fancy bike. I guess the, the garage was left open, it looks like. It doesn't look like he figured out some way in. The bike was worth $1,300, so a very fancy bike. I did not undersell you that. Uh, but the guy stopped because the dog that was the, the pet dog for the house just seemed so excited to see a person, the golden retriever, is swagging its tail. It's trying to lick and play. So the guy stops and, like, pets the dog for a good 10, 15 minutes before leaving uh, with the bike. And I think police put the uh, video up because they would like someone to help them catch the guy who uh, did definitely steal a bicycle, sounded a little drunk in some of the audio. Uh, I can't play it because he's saying bad words, even if he, even as he's petting a dog. And then leave, it's the weirdest thing to see the dog not protect the house the way you'd, you'd probably hope your pet would. But then also I uh, just sort of enjoy and lay down and even seemed like genuinely sad when the guy was leaving with the bike because he had made a new friend. I don't know what about it uh, made me like it. Um, you know, because I, I hope that guy gets caught and in trouble for the crime he committed. But the dog seems very friendly. I've had dogs like that. Y you kind of want to get one that you hope might protect your family a little bit. Uh, Mancha barks at everything and everyone. So so my current dog would probably, well, I don't think she'd attack anybody, but would bark at anybody. <laughs> um, but I, I've had ones that are the exact opposite, like friendly immediately uh, with everyone. And that's always kind of funny because there's no protection level whatsoever there. It's just, hey, somebody to play with. This is great. See you later with that bicycle. Have a good time. Uh, but not not their fault. So, again, I don't know. I just love that story uh, and the fact that the guy was uh, willing to play with the dog and totally didn't care if someone had wound up coming home and he'd gotten caught. He, like, puts the bike back down for a bit and then maybe would have even played it off as I'm just petting your dog. I don't know. But the security camera is pretty good, so hopefully they catch him. All right. A couple other quick things. I mentioned that I was going to play this uh, before the break. I want to finish the audio. There was a one-on-one sit-down on the Today Show with uh, Governor Ron DeSantis. 
And the biggest thing that's getting played a whole lot of places is DeSantis being willing to say that Trump lost the election. However, if you listen closely, the way in which he's saying it is not necessarily the way that um, NBC is demanding he say it and trying to get all out there all over the place. I think that the the nuance is particularly important here. Yes or no, did Donald Trump lose the 2020 election? Whoever puts their hand on the Bible on January 20th every four years uh, is the winner. Okay, but respectfully, you did not clearly answer that question. And if you can't give a yes or no on whether or not Trump lost, then how can you... Of of course he lost. Uh, Trump lost the 2020 election. Of course. Uh, Joe Biden's the president. But the issue is, I think, what what people in the media and elsewhere, they want to act like somehow this was just like the perfect election. Yeah, and it was not the perfect. They cut away, actually, right there. So I would play more audio of other things that DeSantis was saying. But NBC moves on to other stuff uh, in that moment. I think the accusation by some is much more nuanced to say that all of the changing of rules and stuff and all of the ways in which that was justified via it's COVID. And so everybody can just vote for home now. Uh, It was different than how it's supposed to go in a lot of the places that widely expanded uh, their access to that. And that's that's easily seen, by the way, in one way. And I'm not I've never called the election fraudulent. I've never uh, dabbled in those areas, although I don't. Uh, Judge the people who think those things. And if more information can still come out, I'd be open to continuing to pay attention to more things. Uh, But I I will say um, that the easiest evidence that the rules changed profoundly and we we saw a version of it play out is the ridiculous amount of votes for both candidates, the the, uh, high amount of votes compared to what you'd seen in the past. It was the election with the most votes in the history of, of elections. And again, that makes sense when you change the rules and make it easier to vote. And so if that if that had always been the objection and not necessarily that there were ballot dumps and all this other stuff that's much harder to prove, I think there'd be a lot more people um, that very easily uh, could say that they understand that position, even if they don't agree with it. Um, but anyway, uh, DeSantis technically said that the election uh, was lost. And so that's going to matter to a bunch of places that just desperately want someone to fight Trump on anything and everything uh, that Trump says and does uh, that don't care who, um, you know, winds up beating him. They just don't want to see him. A lot of media just doesn't want to see him in the race as much as it seems the Justice Department doesn't want to see Trump run. But all right, a quick break, a lot more. We're going to end light. It's a Monday. No more serious after this. 1470, 100.3, WMBD. It's the Craig Collins Show. 1470, 100.3, WMBD. It's the Craig Collins Show. Um, I need to start mentioning this. I need to talk about it all this week, probably. Uh, The August 14th Greater Peoria Tailgater, uh, the preseason partnership event between Choose Greater Peoria, ESPN, uh, Chicago, and a bunch of places. And of course, the Chicago Bears Radio Network uh, is coming up next Monday, and I'm going to be there. I'm going to be at it. I'm going to be broadcasting live from it for three hours, a bunch of guests. Uh, hopefully uh, some people connected to the Chicago Bears. I'm not uh, guaranteeing you players or anything, uh, but hopefully you hear from some voices and whatnot uh, as part of that show. Uh, but I'm going to be live on location uh, out there in the world again uh, on Monday the 14th uh, from 3 to 6 o'clock for, for my entire show, sitting right next to a booth with those other guys in that other radio station. And that makes me feel very good. Uh, and I'll probably uh, yell stuff at them. Okay, no, I'm kidding. Well, who knows? We'll, we'll see what happens. But I'm very excited to be a part of that. Uh, it's very cool 
um, event in general, and it seems like it's going to be a whole bunch of fun. You should come on out. That event begins at noon, and it's an all-day kind of thing, or at least a several-hours thing uh, around the Peoria Riverfront Museum, 2 to 6 o'clock. That's where the broadcast will be, including mine. So I'm very excited to be doing another remote so soon after the 4th of July remote. Obviously, I did a great job doing the play-by-play of the fireworks. Uh, I'm kidding, uh, because now I'm doing a, a Bears one. And even though I'm a Giants fan, I promise I will talk about the Chicago Bears uh, during that show next Monday, uh, probably a couple times. All right. And in the world of sports, since I can't help but want to play this, there's also Chicago sports, so why not? A legendary radio call existed over the weekend on Saturday. Uh, Cleveland Guardians, uh, Cleveland Indians, uh, the formerly known uh, version of that team, uh, radio announcer Tom Hamilton crushed this. There was a fist fight that broke out. I shouldn't say more things. I should let Tom Hamilton say all the things because this is such a good call and definitely a demonstration that this radio person wants to go back to the world of boxing or back to the heyday when boxing was the it sport and people uh, called that sport because he would he would be amazing in that world too. Here we go. Head first slide, safe and in the score is Jimenez. And another hustle double. Right over the bag at first. Now Hosey and Anderson square off. They're fighting. They're swinging. Down goes Anderson. (laughs) Down goes Anderson. Oh, no. That's amazing. Ramirez went in with a head first slide. Hosey never gets upset about anything. They came up chewing. Anderson squared off. Posey decked him. Just dropped him. It's the it's the thriller in Manila. That's amazing. I love every part. I gotta play it again. I shouldn't even try to do it. I can't do this. And another hustle double. Uh-oh. Right over Uh-oh. the bag at the first. Fist. Now Hosey and Anderson square off. They're fighting. They're swinging. <laughs> Down goes Anderson. Down goes oh my God. Anderson. Oh my god. That's the best. That's the best call I've heard in a long time in the world of uh, radio. When you do the double thing, because like the world of baseball, uh, people are already talented. But as I said, that guy is incredibly talented on other stuff. Uh, definitely, uh, Tom Hamilton should be. I don't know, all over the world of UFC or boxing or something. Down goes Anderson. Down goes. You have a certain amount of confidence as a broadcaster too. When you know that you said something and the inflection is so good that you just repeat it. You just say the same thing over again. Or it's not as good as you think it is and you don't land in that world. But that's as good as do you believe in miracles? Yes, to me. It's so great. All right. Other stuff out there uh, that I saw just quickly before I throw it off to Will Stevenson. And he he does some news and I get out of here uh, for the day. Uh, A McDonald's worker went viral. Uh, This worker went viral because she said she made more off of one social media post and the, um, you know, the sponsorships or the, the, the things that she's getting money off of from that post than she does for the entire month working at McDonald's, working at the fast food chain. And she said that that's broken. She said that's wrong. She said that needs to be fixed. And a bunch of people reacted, uh, followers and then other, I guess, people who watched the video. And I'll say that she's wrong. My opinion on this is that there is a unique reason that the advertising is so valuable in the world of influencer. And much to my chagrin, I talk about how I don't get how some things are popular on the Internet and some people watch like stupid videos so often that people make millions of dollars off of them. But it is hard to get that many eyeballs to pay attention to you. Uniquely hard because everyone and anyone pretty much has a social media account. 
and very few people actually go viral quite often. And this post in and of itself went viral. So it's weird. Her post about a different post making money probably also helped this one make money for her. Uh, but that is uniquely challenging of a job. And the money that you get paid for that job is connected to the, the level of difficulty that exists within the virality of getting anything to go viral. That's not to say anything about whether it's hard or not to work at a McDonald's or hard or not to work anywhere else. Uh, it just means the amount of money you make as a unique individual doing a unique thing uh, for the sponsors who hand you money. If she could NASCAR her way into a sponsorship deal for the work she does at McDonald's, wear a bunch of patches on her on her you know work uniform and get paid for it, she could make a bunch of money doing that too. I don't know how many companies I would be in on doing the sponsorship, and I don't think McDonald's would be cool with that if you're trying to throw their logos on there. Um, but again, that's that's why that exists. I know I'm telling a bunch of people who already know this. It's not because it's unfair and McDonald's needs to start paying you the same amount of money you get uh, paid to have a video go viral on social media. That's that's not a look that's going to work out. Uh, but I did think it was interesting how many people reacted and got mad and and you know said that this is this is a good way to win. A certain argument because it's it's not. It's like me saying that I'm not getting paid as much as an NBA basketball player, and that's not really fair uh, because that NBA basketball player is obviously getting paid way too much money for being incredibly good at a sport I wish I was just a little bit better at, just slightly, slightly, uh, and then a whole lot more after that, actually, because I was nowhere near uh, a person that would eat. I didn't even get off the bench at my junior college. I was on my junior college basketball team, and I won't brag about that here. I'll do it some other time, uh, mostly because it was a startup team, and uh, I, I like the brag, but, you know, it, it doesn't work. Although I did do pretty well in the free throw competition yesterday at the Neon Bison. Uh, they did a fundraiser for St. Jude. It was a lot of fun. There was a dunk tank. Uh, maybe I'll talk about more of that stuff some other time, too. And thank you to anybody that came out there uh, looking to say hi. Uh, one last thing, and then, as I said, I'll go, and Will will fire off some news, and Dave Ramsey's coming up next. A woman said that she doesn't want to entertain other people's kids, and that's why if she goes somewhere and her friends bring their children, she leaves. She's like, I'm out. I don't entertain these kids. They're too hard or too you know, challenging or annoying or something. This was on Reddit's thing that I love, am I the jerk or am I the A-word? I, I thought this was funny, and teach their own. Do whatever you want. I live in a world where you walk away. Uh, from your friends the minute they bring their family with them to any sort of outing. But I like uh, when, you know, kids um, uh, and I do some, like, stupid uh, game or something. Like, that's more fun sometimes than hanging out with my friends is playing some dumb game with a kid. And maybe she just needs that. 1470, 100.3, WMBD, it's the Craig Collins Show.